Go Late Selects, brought to you by Sky. Watch new exclusive and unmissable content only on Sky. There is a distinct lack of chocolate at the studio this week. Because you ate it. And we only had one. We all ate it. Well, Brian didn't. I ate a bit of it. You ate a bit of it. John was sent home with two, as memory serves me correctly. They were eaten. My wife pounced in them. Well, will we scrap the podcast until we get chocolate? Well, I'm not doing that until we get chocolate in the room. Right, John, it's you and me. Let's go, baby. Let's okay. do it! And welcome along to Go Loud Selects with me, Aidan Power, our producer, John, and a chocolate-less, slightly grumpy, Simon Delaney. Hello. Hello, Aidan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining now you in your trailer on some movie set. And, you know, there's a big scene to be filmed and there's a, a cast of thousands and there's a crew of fucking hundreds. Where's, where's, where's Delaney? Where's Delaney's chocolate? He, he won't come out. Oh, by the way. Hmm. Go Loud Selects is a Go Loud original. Hey, he might be hungry, but his brain is still working. And it's brought to you by... Sky Ireland. Well, hey, we've ticked all the boxes. Can I talk to you about the craft services on an American film set? I think we have before. Craft as in... Catering craft? craft? Yeah. Okay, go craft on. Craft service is the name of the... The company. Who, who, yeah, they cater all the sets. I'd like to think... Hello, John, by the way. Hi, I'd guys. like to think on a set in America, it's like a Vegas... Hotel buffet. Correct. They do a rolling lunch, rolling buffet, hot oh. food all day. Because so they work different hours, care you see. If they were eight hours behind and you were left now, sitting waiting because, to do see, your scene, because they work, they work different hours. Like they, some, some film sets will do traditional hours, they'll shoot a whatever, an 11 day fortnight, which is they'll do six days one week, five days the next week, and they'll do, they'll stop for an hour lunch break and all that. Then there's other sets that'll do French film hours, which is kind of a rolling thing where. You know, certain departments will be broken at certain times mm. for uh, lunch breaks. Then the, the Yanks then will do, uh, most of them will do a rolling scene, so basically have lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever you want. The, the point being is you can walk out to the craft service table at 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, or 10 o'clock at night, and there'll be breakfast, lunch, or dinner there for you. Lovely. Now. Very. Yeah. Now I'm hungry. Now the new the you. Would you, is it like going on a holiday, like you go on the movie set and you're... 12 stone and you come off the movie well, set and you're 13 well, listen, stone there is that thing like uh, um, it's not all gourmet a lot of it shite right Cause, uh, but any amount of it and then I was doing a thing in Spain last year so Spanish catering obviously it was all kind of it was um, like fish stews and but they were served in paper cups okay classy yeah, classic. And, pa- yeah. and, a, and a plastic fork. Yeah. Did a yeah. short film here in Ireland last week. And there was in a pint chili glass. in a cup. <laughs> in a paper cup. <laughs> on a, on, yeah. yeah. Out in a freezing field yeah, or something. Yeah. Anyway, why are we here? What are we yathering about this week? Well, what are you recommending? I'm excited. And I've just discovered that John is excited because <laughs> oh. Oh. season two of. of a really, really good, fun, daft, but brilliant drama is coming back. I didn't think I'd like it. In fact, I loved it. It is called The Flight Attendant. Ah. It's streaming on Sky Max and on Now. Very good. It's all there for you to consume. Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah. Penny from... The Big Bang Theory. Thank you, yeah. The most successful TV show in the last 25 years. Yeah, it is. That show alone generated a revenue of $12 billion per year. (laughs) Okay. John, our producer, wasn't a fan of that, but I know, like me, you're a huge fan of this. I didn't think I'd like it. I watched the first few episodes of season one, okay, and I kind of had that almost kind of guilty thing going, this is this is it for chicks. I'm a guy. Why am I watching this? And my excuse for even watching it in the first place because I like Kayleigh Coco. You're fancy. But I was completely, yeah, completely, completely sucked in <clears throat> by the outrageous nature of this story. So in season one, just in case for those who haven't seen it, just to <clears> Don't give that so away. No, I haven't a, seen it. She's a flight attendant. Spoiler alert. Okay. It's called the flight attendant. She uh, is hard living, hard partying, hard working girl. Okay. Flying all over the world. But she likes to drink and she drinks too much to the right. point where she blacks out. And more often than not, the next day when she's rushing to get back on her flight, she doesn't remember who she met, what she got up to, who she slept with, what she did, that kind of stuff. Okay. And that reaches a point in Bangkok one night where she wakes up beside a fella who's dead. Oh, right. And she okay. doesn't have a clue what happened. Wowzers. Bonus, though, is that somehow from beyond the grave, he's able to communicate with her <laughs> to try and fill in some of the blanks. That's where it begins. And John, it goes off in the most batshit direction ever. It does. It's kind of like a murder mystery where she is forced to kind of clear her own name 
you're watching her, as you say, she's an alcoholic, she's got all these demons, her background's very messed up. But the stress of watching her, like she is like... It's the, always at a panic, Jesus. frenetic pace, isn't it? It's an on-the-edge kind of thing, isn't it? It's like, don't go into that room where you know all those criminals are and they'll, they'll spot you and kill you. And she's like, I'm just going to put on this wig and I'll go in and I'll just have a couple of drinks, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And you're just, you're watching it. There's a bang of Charlie's Angels off it. Yeah. Even really? it's a little bit bond It's a contemporary moments. set, like it's set. Oh, compl- yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it's visually stunning. And, you know, some of the scenes are... The way they're shot, they, it's a repeat scene from different people's point of view. Oh, I love that stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, visually, it's cool. The soundtrack is great. So season one, for me, I absolutely adored. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into season two. I did wonder how, where they would go with the story because uh, they, 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 t- they tie up season one in a bow. And so it, you, you stay with it? You bought into oh, it? I, I, yeah, all the way through I, season one? It was like you're strapped into a roller coaster and you're just holding on I know it sounds a bit nonsense but uh, it really does just <clears throat> ramp along well, what, did season one end with a hang? no no they completely tie really? up season one so you're going how do they come back with this and to give right. you tell us. Tell uh, us, tell us, tell us, tell a little idea of what's happened as she's described she's a hot mess she's forced to clear and cover her tracks after she woke up beside a course at the start of season one we know that we find Cassie that's her character continuing her role as a flight attendant but she's now an asset for the CIA. What? <laughs> really? Johnny, you dying to see this? Let me just add one more thing that uh, might make you interested. Sharon Stone is joining season two. Oh, she's going to play our mommy. And she's her mother. Sharon's wow. where, that's where we're at in life now. Sharon Stone is playing Kaylee Cuoco's ma wow. on telly. Okay. Yeah, I will say as well, Rosie Perez is in the first season yeah, and she's kind of, she feels she's all over the hill, boring life, settled, sees you and Kaylee having all these adventures and thinks, you know, I'm going to get something going here. So she does a little <laughs> bit of a side game on her, on her own. She gets, gets involved in the are major... Are they friends, are they? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, okay. colleagues, yeah. Oh, she yeah. works for her. Right, but she okay. does this completely independently <clears throat> and just gets involved in this international spy ring and is absolutely out of her depth instantly. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. it's daft, but that's it's mental. really oh, it's well executed. Brilliant. Yeah, it's really right. Good. So that second season of that, is that dropping this week? It's there now. It's there for you on Sky Max oh, and indeed on now. And uh, of course, you'll find season one there and you'll really, really enjoy right, it. Well, I think then season two of you are giving it a big thumbs up. I might jump in and then start season two. I actually only knew him for a day. Like 12 hours, really. It's actually just one evening. But that evening was spent having making love twice. There's the infinity pool is actually three times. I'm sure you can see yourself out. Yep. So that's there. Go check it out. It's a fun one. I will do that on your recommendation. Uh, now, I will change the tone slightly. Mm-hmm. You know I love my documentaries. Yes. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Sky documentaries, which come to us courtesy of HBO, etc. Mm. There's one that I came across and I thought, I had, do, I have, do I have an interest in this? Am I going to be arsed with this? It's called Janine Jansen. Falling for Stradivari. Okay, so first of all, who's Janine Jansen? Janine Jansen is a Dutch violin virtuoso. She is kind of the rock and roll violinist of the moment. But like um, Vanessa, Vanessa May. Thank you. Yeah, no, yes, but, but she's the only other female violinist I could name. Well, look, except Janine Jansen is regarded as one of the best violin players in the world. Um, she has played every concert hall and opera house in the world. She's regarded as the one right. um, so she decided <clears throat> a couple of years ago that she would like to record an album doing 12 pieces of music but using 12 different Stradivari violins she's a fan of Stradivari she herself has used has found her Stradivari violin years ago was falling those things can cost oh, listen, millions might be a bit of a, a reach but they're are in, like telephone numbers to buy these things yeah. and they're rare and they're rare to be in good condition and they're rare to be playable and they're rare to be playable at concert level and for her she needs the best of the best so <clears throat> she came up with this idea that she wanted to record an album with a long time collaborator for her as a musical director and they were going to record these 12 pieces of music and play each piece of music on a different Stradivari so they made the album and they made a documentary of the album as a concert version of the of the but this documentary is about how and why and how she found the violins and why each violin matches a certain piece of music. So <clears throat> having a passing interest in music, I thought I'd give this a go. I was going to ask, why, why would you click on this? I, I just, well, I, just, I, love, I love live, live music. I've performed with orchestras. There's something about okay. an orchestra, about 
Well, let me tell you, standing in front of an orchestra, a 60-piece orchestra, and singing a song, it's like, it, it's undescribable. Oh, I, can, I can only it's imagine, incredible. I mean, to go and watch an orchestra play a 60-piece <clears throat> orchestra yeah. is just... It's amazing. Brings your soul alive. But the so you've sang with, with orchestras? Yeah, performed like at the National Concert Hall with the RT wow. Concert Orchestra, plus the RT big bands, like doing the Rat Pack stuff. It's phenomenal. Wow. Um, and my father was in uh, the Dublin concert band years ago, and we used to go to, you know, uh, rehearsals with them on a Sunday morning to North Great George Street. And I remember standing beside Pat O'Neill, who was the conductor, and him handing me the baton, and him standing me up on like on, on a crate and waving your arms around on this fucking wall of noise, like it's incredible. That's amazing. So I've kind of always been interested in that kind of world. Totally. And, and what drew me to it as well is I, I knew nothing about Janine Janssen, never heard of her. Mm. But then I did a bit of, you know, digging into her. And she's like, she's a young, young person. She's in her 30s, like, but she's kind of, she has a kind of rock and roll attitude towards the classics, if, if that makes any sense. But this documentary, it's on Sky Arts. Um, it's called Falling for Stradivari. And she basically, this is the journey of her picking the 12 violins to play these 12 pieces of music. I've just Googled her. She's cool looking. She's oh, she's a dude. Dutch. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's deadly looking. Like the documentary opens with her on a boat going across the lakes in Stockholm where she's on the way to find the first Stradivarius. And uh, the documentary then centres around this one guy in London who's a violin dealer, right? So this guy is central because he, he, she comes to his, uh, it's not even a studio, it's like, a, not a museum, it's like a, it's like a library, but on the wall hanging are these Stradivari, you know. And these things, like, go back to the mid mid to late 17th century. Like, these things are, like, they're, they're antique. Mm. They're, they're so precious, but she's playing them. So he would take a, a Stradivarius off a wall and she'd say, oh, you know, I've heard of this one. And they all have certain names. There was a, there's a, there was a time in his life where the, he produced violins that's known as the Golden Period, and the, they're known as the best Stradivarius to play. But then there were ones from before that and after. Each violin has a story. It's from this date. It was first owned by X, Y, and Z. It was played by you know, names that mean a lot to the people in the world of classical music, but meant nothing to me. But they go into that and they explain why these violins have such value, why they play, why each violin would suit a certain piece of music. And she stands in this small little room with this dealer, and she'd take the Stradivarius off him, you know, and he's handing it to her, like he's handing her the Turin Shroud. And then she puts it on, puts it under her neck and plays it. And there's one review in the, in the Times <clears throat> about the documentary. And it says that both the dealer and Janine seem to be having musical orgasms as they're playing. <laughs> as she gets, because like, she says herself, Quite I well. can't believe I'm, I'm getting to hold uh, this, it's called the Alba or whatever. I can't believe, I've, I've heard about it, I've seen it, I've seen photographs of it, but now I have it in my hand. And then she plays it. Can I just give you a bit of context? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go I've, for I've Googled the price of uh, Antonio oh Stradivari's violins yeah. considered the greatest violin mm-hmm. maker of all time his instruments sell for as much as have a guess well I know because I saw the documentary John? John a couple of million maybe a couple of million for a violin he ain't getting more than a bow 16 million Jesus. and that's not even yeah. the top that's yeah. kind of the average for yeah. centuries yeah. there you go that's how long and, yeah. and old these are people <clears> have questioned what makes his violin so great many have investigated the source of their superiority doing MRI scans yeah. analysing the wood yeah. density and studying the chemical composition of the violin. Well, here's one for you, Jesus. right? There was one Stradivarius called the Allard, okay, which was made in 1715. Like 1715. You'd be okay? afraid to touch it, that it would just well, break. It's described here in uh, the review. Uh, you can catch sight for the exa- for, uh, of some of the violins and wonder if they were always kept like this or were they just hanging on. But anyway, when, when the dealer got his hands on it, he said he nearly passed out when he got to touch it. And now, now think about that for a moment. That's the dealer. Then give it to a virtuoso who's going to get the chance to play it. And not just play it, wow. but pick a piece of music that she thinks will match the sound of that violin. Because the sound, and it's amazing, you think, oh, well, they don't sound the same violin, surely. And then when you see her playing on three or four different violins, 
it's like night and day. So then she has the journey of with her musical director. Like a, she has four or five of them behind her, and they're in his apartment in London. Mm. And she's going, well, I think the Brahms way. And she, yeah, and she plays away. And you're going, well, I didn't know. I think this one. So she'd pick up another one and she played the same piece of music, and it's totally different. Based so, on the, mm, the the sound of the, the sound, individual how it violin. Was made, and, yeah. uh, some of them are sharp. Some of them are richer sound. It's just. It's, and it's a two-hour documentary. It's fascinating. Mm. And then if, you're, if that's your thing, you've then got the actual recording of the album concert, which is her in studio with her MD and a quartet of string as Lovely. well that play. So she actually achieved the dream of recording 12 pieces of music using 12 different... Like these... That Allard, the 1715 uh, violin, is described as one of the greatest violins on earth. Mm. She has it in her hands and she's playing it. It's all very cultured. And it's also like, like she, it. she even does a great thing where she teaches music herself still. And she's got a, a, a she's in her own apartment, I think, in, in Holland. And she's got two of her students with her who are girls in, like in their 20s, I'd say. And they're clearly virtuosos in the making because the two of them are sitting on the floor watching her play one of these. And there's practically tears coming down their face. They're going, the sound. They can't believe that they've seen this violin, let alone be in the room with somebody like Janine Jansen who's playing it. It's a great... If you have any passing interest in music, mm. you know, and, and even it goes back into details about Stradivarius, his career, his life, his times, why he made them, who he studied under, who influenced him, how he's influenced music, uh, musicians down the road. There's, there's a great guy in, in the series who's Irish, right. who's, a, who's a violin maker, and he'd be one of the most highly regarded... Uh, violin makers in the world and he was asked because you she she's not just handed these violins these violins belong to museums and foundations mm. and estates and the rigmarole and the permissions that they that the dealer had to go through because she's only borrowing them for the space of a couple of weeks mm. to record the piece the, it's, the insurance on so everything so the fact and, that they got this done yeah like they actually hunt them down she finds the violins and she's recorded with them that's stunning that's really cool. And then the pieces of music, excuse my ignorance, yeah. that she's playing are all <clears throat> classical pieces. All classical pieces, yeah. Some you'd, rem- you'd recognise, some I'd never heard of, but when you watch her playing them, Jesus, it's just breathtaking. Wow. So you have the documentary, that's the documentary, yeah. and, and then, then you, have the you have the recording of the album. I don't really know what to expect. Maybe I don't know what I got myself into, but uh, I like a challenge. <laughs> I like yeah, that. There you are. I like now. that. You'll have that's that. Really so that's called, one. it's on Sky. It was on Sky Arts. It's called Janine Jansen Falling for Stradivari. Okay. Amazing. Go and watch it. God, I'm not as highbrow as him this week, John. Are you? <laughs> oh, I feel pretty middlebrow now thinking about that. I know. Listen, I just thought I'd tone a bit of culture for you, you know. <laughs> well, right. I won't talk about my experience of watching Top Gun in the cinema <laughs> my own last, last Wednesday morning. Go Light Selects. Brought to you by Sky. Watch new, exclusive and unmissable content only on Sky. Right, time at last. The time has come to bring someone into the room who actually knows what they're talking about, Ado. You do this every Hang on, who who am I meant to be looking at for this? It's John, our producer, is it? (laughs) What an introduction. Brian Lloyd, how are you? How are you doing? Have you been to this cinema this week, Brian? (laughs) (laughs) And did you get the popcorn and the Maltesers? By the way, let's do a minute or two on that. What is your go-to snack at the cinema? Like, Because you go there a lot because you're working. Would you have the old snacks at the cinema? I wouldn't. No, I'll tell you this, right? I wouldn't... um, Do you bring in your own stuff? No, I don't. I honestly don't know because like... Our press screenings, people who people may be interested in this. I don't know. That's why. Well, let's find out. Let's let's find out. Um, Most of our press screenings happen dead early in the morning. Well, Mm. I say dead early, like half ten in the morning. Mm. And um, some cinemas would be open. Some cinemas would not be open. Ah. Isn't the confectionery stands? Ah, right. But I don't know. Could you eat a load of sugary pop? Or sorry, sugary. Do you hear me? Uh, Salty popcorn. Yes, you could. You can. I did it last week at Top Gun. 11.30 11.30 screening. <laughs> Did you? Really? Yeah. I can't do it. I've only ever been to one press screening and it was at 10 o'clock in the morning it was for Stan and Ollie. And yeah. And I did miss the old popcorn. Yeah, but like it's too early in the morning you need a coffee, you need a pastry, yeah, you need but a patisserie. Even need... if you're... Okay, yeah. Logically no, you go, I've only had breakfast and it's way too early, it's not night time, it's not popcorn time but once you're in the cinema your body goes... Yeah, yeah, you adapt. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. Now, don't get There's me wrong, like if it, was a, if it was an evening screen, if it was a premiere yeah. or something like that, 100%. So what is the go-to? Oh, popcorn. You can't go wrong. Like, it's Would popcorn. you go hot dog? If nachos? I was, if I was, no, no, nachos, I 
the worst thing that has ever happened, other than 3D crunch, cinema, crunch. is no, bringing nachos into a cinema. Yeah. They are disgusting. They smell like chemicals. They're horrible. And the they rubbery are, cheese. And the, the rubbery cheese. You're not there to eat your dinner. No. But like, okay. Yeah, but I'd have a hot dog at the cinema. Okay, a hot dog I can live with. Box of milk duds, milk that's, duds, love milk like duds. Sounds like a euphemism. Right. Oh, you've done a hot dog in the cinema. You've done a hot dog with you. Your man did a hot dog. Well, oh, yes. <laughs> We're going off but, um, topic okay. every we, time. Uh, yeah, but like a hot dog is fine, but like nachos, I think they're too, the smell is too overpowering. Mm. Put it to you that way. Like, mm. I will say, now something like the Stella in Rap Minds, uh, oh, now we're laughing. Yeah, yeah. but go that, on, go but, they, but, but they bring out like a whole meal and stuff like that or whatever, and you're eating away. Yeah. That's fine because it's a big, huge room, and the smell doesn't. It's okay. the smell, I think, is the problem. Right. So yeah. we've established that you don't like nachos. I do not like nachos. Okay. So what? Did in you... a cinema. In a cinema. Get me outside of the cinema. Nachos all day, no problem. Literally okay. had my we- I had my wedding dinner in a Pablo Picante. There you go. He does like nachos then. Wow, I, we, we got somewhere with this. You had nachos for yeah. your wedding meal. Yeah. I had nachos and tacos for my wedding meal. Yeah, it was day one of level five hey, lockdown. Big spender. <laughs> it was day, nachos no, hold on. and tacos for Hold on a second. It was day one of level five. There was nowhere open. We oh, literally right, had yeah, to. I got married during lockdown, so we literally had, were oh, like right. walking around Dublin. And had you met the girl before the wedding? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. He got, got her two days before, and it was like, "Come on, we'll buy you some. We'll buy you some." Oh, you God. like tacos? <laughs> you like tacos? <laughs> Meet me at the registry office two days from now. Do you, you like the tacos? Coladas? You want? Baby. Do you like tacos? Do you know what? This is fascinating. We're going to get into your views, but I think next week we'll discuss where you had your first dance. Absolutely, and what song it was. <laughs> I know what it is. Jones's I bet I know what his first dance was. I bet I know what it is. It's something to do with Leonard Cohen. Me? Yeah. What no. was your first dance, your wedding dance? We didn't do a wedding dance. We didn't do anything like that at all. <sighs> yeah, I know, yeah. No music, no dancing, and a box of nachos. Well, they were wandering around the streets looking for food. That so. was it. There was nowhere open. It's not this a conventional wedding. Yeah. Anyway, while you were at the cinema, yes, what did you watch? I watched Alec, Alex Garland's Men. Oh, right. Tell no. us more, please. So, have either of you seen Annihilation? No, never heard of it. No. Have either of you seen... This could get very embarrassing. If we're doing have, the, you, have you ever seen bit? Have you ever. Okay, have you ever seen Dread? No. Judge okay. Dredd. Yeah, Judge Dredd. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, the one with, with Carl Urban. No, no, no. okay, fine. Okay, no, right. okay. No, I'm still um, out. <laughs> is there any more of these okay. questions? Yes. All right, have you seen The Beach? Yes. No. With DiCaprio? With DiCaprio. Yeah, no. yeah. You've seen The Danny Beach. Danny Boyle. Yes. yes. Have you seen 28 Days Later? I know you're not a big horror fan. Do Morphe? No. Okay. It's gone well, isn't it? This is gone great. For okay. you, yeah. yeah. So, basically... I have been to the cinema. I know you have. I, I, I know you have. I, I, God, Simon, I believe you. So, uh, Alex uh, Garland, he has written a lot of these very kind of what we now would term elevated horrors. Oh, it's old. That's the elevated word. horrors. And so, is that what 28 Days Later falls into? Would be classed as that, okay. yeah. Because I was in The Conjuring too. Is that an elevated horror? Fully enough. Or is it a horror? Funnily enough, it's a horror, but funnily enough, I mm. have read some uh, mm. kind of scholarly debate on The Conjuring, and The Conjuring 2 in particular. Oh, right. Uh, okay. They're studying it in college. Wow. No, yeah, they are. No, Jenny, no, no, they are. It's basically, really? it was seen as a sort of a reaction to, because basically, in the last like 10 years, there's been this sort of wave of like brainy horror films or elevated horror films. Yeah. You had like Midsummer, you had Hereditary, you had 28 Days Later, that kind of okay. kicked it off. Right. And then there was a sort of thing like, oh, it's getting too brainy. It's getting too far away from it all. People just want to be scared. People just yeah. want a good old-fashioned... And along came The Conjuring. Correct. Which, the is, which is now the biggest franchise in horror history. Yes. Yeah. And that's the point. And this is, is it really? Thing. It is. Yeah, 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 so not Scream, maybe that doesn't dollars. fall into that. Nope. No, it's grossed Proper over a billion genre. dollars, the, the movies. Yeah, yeah. And the and one that I did was directed by James Wan. And I remember talking to him about horror yeah. at the time because ne- I've never seen a horror film. Mm. Huh? First time I saw huh? a horror film... What? was the night I introduced the Conjuring 2 premiere here in Ireland. So Scared growing up... Out of me. I knew it was going to happen. I'm watching myself. The mm. Omen, Poltergeist, no, no, movies no, like that. No. no. Too yeah. scary. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. No, no. Didn't, I get it. Not my thing. Not my thing. But I was talking to James Wan about it and why and how and... His love comes from John Carpenter and he wanted these, these, this franchise to be a nod to, to John Carpenter. Yeah, and I've interviewed John Carpenter myself Yeah, and I can see you can see that sort of thing. Because John that Carp- influence. Yeah, yeah. That influence because the Conjuring films were very sort of meat and potatoes and that's not a yeah, bad yeah. thing. Like, yeah, but they're yeah. just very much... So that's not an elevated horror, is it? That's, not, that's just a regular... That's a good old-fashioned horror. So is men an elevated horror? Yes. 
Definitely. Right. So we got yeah. there in the end, Ada. We got there in the end. We got, we got Roundabouts. there for thinking. Roundabouts are good. Roundabouts are very good, Mary. Good afternoon. We finally you. found the fucking exit. So talk about men Major yeah. um, But yeah It's <laughs> So Jesse Buckley Plays this woman uh, Her husband Has taken his life But prior to that He had actually uh, There had been a, a, a Domestic violence Oh right okay. It's very very dark This film I should point that out From the very get go It is a very very dark film So um, After that happens She decides Like three months after that She decides to Rent this house Out in the country Try recuperate Get kind of back in touch with herself sort of clear mind or whatever mm. and while she's there every man that she sees has the face of Rory Kinnear who's, uh, the, who's now the, dead husband no 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 oh. that's just the thing oh. it's, it's, that's just it yeah you would think that wouldn't you yeah, yeah. no that's not it wow. every man she sees like if it's a <clears throat> cop if it's the groundskeeper if it's a priest if it's a lad in the pub they all look like Rory Kinnear what the hell is going on here exactly that's the thing so it's that's and that's kind of the whole elevated horror thing because the idea basically is is that as a woman, she views the world that all men are the same. So all men look the same. Wow! But okay. he wasn't the husband. He no, wasn't. he wasn't the husband. It was it was he's, guy, he's someone else. He was someone else entirely, and I don't want to ruin it. But oh, he, right, okay, put sure. it this way: he comes back into it in the final act where it goes bananas okay. and goes into a whole kind of David Cronenberg body horror. Just bananas. Okay, because I was going to ask where the horror comes into it. There's obviously a psychological, deep yes. psychological element to it, but the, the, is it gory horror? It does. Like, that's it. And the last, I mean, up until this point, it's all about kind of like the atmosphere and the idea of like, you know, the men all look the same. And you're like, is she seeing this? Is everyone else seeing this? What's going wow. on here? You're trying to figure it out. And she almost is kind of getting a bit loopy herself, like, because mm. it's the sort of this pervading atmosphere of like dread and she doesn't know if she's seeing things or not and there's even one bit in it <clears throat> when she's walking around this um, this church on her own and there's this little kid and he's got this like little plastic mask on or whatever and he takes it off and he has the face of Rory <laughs> Kinnear but it's a little boy wow. it's a little boy's body but he's got Rory Kinnear freaky wow. freaky Freak. Let's take a minute and talk about <clears throat> Jesse Buckley. Yes, mm. our own Jesse Buckley. Spend mm-hmm. more than a minute, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, wow. she, like you know, started musical theatre, amateur musical theatre mm. back in the day. I met her a long, long, long time ago. She was a shining star even yeah. then. I mean, she's gone on to to knock off some incredible parts. She's just been nominated for Olivier playing the role of Sally Bowles in Cabaret. Um, what a career she is having, mm. and it's just going north, isn't it? It's going. I mean, up, I, up, up. yeah. I mean, I would say like she's picked very. She's been very savvy. Absolutely, yeah. Like very, yeah. very savvy. Because, Interesting roles. Yeah, because I think the thing of it is, is that like when, you know, when you're in the kind of the trajectory that she is, she could have easily gone in and done something like a Marvel film or a DC film or a big or even a big film. TV series. Like we haven't seen her do an episodic thing yeah. yet, and I'd imagine that there are scripts out there for female-driven, you know, episodic series that have her name on it. Oh, 100%. And I'd say she's just waiting for the right one and Ozark, uh, uh, whatever, you know. Exactly. And I mean, I think the thing of it is, is that, like, doing those episodic television shows, it is a huge commitment. Like, you're talking, like, what, a year usually, isn't it? Ten months, yeah. Ten months at least. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. good to ten months. So that's ten months. And you can sign in for seven years. Exactly. And that's the thing of it. Like, I know with somebody like her, she seems, again, this is just from an outsider looking at it, but she seems to be, her career seems so varied. She seems to have such uh, an idea of what she, where she wants to go. I think the idea of her locking herself in for a seven year TV show. And you see, I think, I think because she's a, she, she is, this is going to sound terribly wanky, but she's a proper actor in terms of, uh, theatre seems to oh, be yeah, her yeah, home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she, she started in theatre. Like she was in on the Andrew Lloyd Webber show. Yeah. Looking for me. She That's she's where I seconds, first heard you know? of her. Yeah. She's a phenomenal talent. She's a real, I think this is why she'll, she's having the career she's going to having and will continue to have. She's a real, what they call triple threat. Mm. She's an actor, a singer, a dancer. She's a phenomenal singer, a great dancer and clearly can act. And I just think she's in that incredible position where she's able to handpick. Pick. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think she'll always... I don't think she'll ever sign up for a seven year. No. Because she'll want to go and do The Crucible on Broadway exactly. or something. Do you know mm, what I mean? That Alas, kind of thing, yeah. Ronald, which is what she did. Yeah. They seem to have a very similar... Well, kind it of sounds the, like it's... 
the perfect position to be in. Oh my you know, god! She, yeah. Like you say, she's, she's calling the shots, and at her pace. I mean, she was on the telly last week on the in on the Late Late Show yeah. with Bernard Butler. Yeah. They've gone off to work on an album, so she's very yeah. much doing oh what she wants god. to do when um, she wants yeah, to eclectic, do it. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah definitely. So, um, is she good in it? She is, but I mean, she's very, very good in it. But I would say it's Rory Kinnear that kind of steals the show in wow, this because okay. he is literally playing every other role in the film, bar her. Wow, okay. Can I ask a question? Is he related to Greg? No. Or they Roy. Just have, they just have or to Roy. Roy Kinnear. Or, Remember Roy? him? Rory Kinnear. Remember Roy Kinnear? Who's he? Rory yeah. Kinnear was Who's a comedian. Roy is a comedian. Kinnear. Was he a Rory comedian? Kinnear was an impressionist. But Roy Kinnear was an actor who died, fell off a horse. Roy, uh, wait, Roy no. Kinnear. Remember Roy Kinnear? No, I remember Rory Kinnear. He was. I tell you what, if you Google Roy Kinnear, look at his face, you'll know him straight away. That's Roy Kinnear on the right. It's his son. They're Roy, They're related. They're, they're father the and son. Bit of each other. They're father and got son. Got there in the end eventually. Yeah. They're father and Rory son. Rory Kinnear, the impressionist, <laughs> is Roy. They're father and son. Right, Rory Kinnear, the impressionist, who was yeah. king of the impression shows in the nineties, late eighties. Yeah. Or, Roy Kinnear's son. Roy Kinnear was a phenomenal movie actor. What was the big roles that he was in? Um, Roy oh. Kinnear, British actor, known for his roles um, in yeah. Algernon. Algernon. Uh, oh, sorry, in The Beatles' Help. Yeah. Clapper in How I Won the War. Yeah. And Planchette in The Three Musketeers. Yeah. He was born in 1934 and he died in Madrid in Spain in 1980. While he was filming, he fell off a horse and it wasn't, that was around the same time that Christopher Reeve oh, fell off a horse and there was really? a whole thing about it. He died. Will I give you the, a few more lines on oh, it? Yeah, sure, go on. He fell oh, off the horse during here. the making of The Return of the Musketeers go. in Toledo, Spain and there he sustained go. a broken pelvis and internal bleeding. Yeah. Taken to a hospital, sorry, bleeding. Taken to a hospital in Madrid but died the next day from a heart attack brought on by his injuries and Jesus. he was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory correct yes, he, he was. was he played the dad Farouka's yes. dad Farouka's dad correct Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that's it I just so saw him his there. son is right. Rory Kinnear who he went was, on to be he did all the voices spit the image and had, it was an impressionist no there's no. two Rory Kinnears sweet mother of divine there's two Rory Kinnears the Rory Kinnear that I'm talking about, the one that's in Men, yeah. is the son of Roy, Roy Kinnear. Kinnear. There you go. And then the other, yeah, see, that another makes sense. Rory Kinnear. No, the Rory it was on Kinnear. whose line Rory is Rory Kinnear? Who, on the guy with the beard? On whose line is it? Anyway? Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Not related. Not related. Okay. Not related. Well, Rory Kinnear from this movie, his dad was Roy Kinnear who fell off. <laughs> this is all my fault for asking about Greg. <laughs> Why did you ask him about what's Greg Kinnear got to do with it? Welcome to Who Do You Think You Are. <laughs> we don't fucking know. <laughs> we haven't got a clue. We got there in the we end. There so let's get a Terry's chocolate. Oh, yeah, raising on yes. men. On a scale of 1 to 20, how many segments does it get? Oh, right. This, this, always, this always like boils my brain. Mm. I want to say 15 out of 20. Oh, oh. That would be like three stars. Three out of five, yeah. Three out of five, yeah. So 15 then. 15, 15 out, out of 20. 20. It's That's good. Like, it's very good. I will, what I would say about men is, is that it's very, very disturbing. Right. It does take a bit of a while to get going, but okay. when it does get going, it is absolutely terrifying. I think if you enjoy kind of deep psychological horrors, you will definitely get something out of it. I think Jesse Buckley is brilliant in it. I think Alex Garland, when he writes and directs his own stuff, he makes really, really interesting films. Yeah. Um, it is one for horror fans. I don't know necessarily if you're kind of looking for a bit of fun on a Friday night. Yeah, it's, it's not, that, it's not a date movie, is it? God, no. no. Jesus, no. Not in no. the slightest. You wouldn't but, be eating nachos through that now. You're tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Definitely not. Especially no. the last ten minutes. No way. Sounds like a huge role for Rory Kinnear as well. Big role. Yeah. Big role. Because like he's one of those actors, I think, that like he's had a really interesting career, but he's always been kind of he's like... He's never sick. really the leading man, Correct. is he? Yeah. Correct. And But he's one of those actors that whenever you see him, he is doing something really interesting. Even in something like Skyfall. Mm. Like, he's doing something kind of interesting, like, against Daniel Craig. But mm. in this, he gets the chance to shine, and he's brilliant, isn't it? All right. Can I see a photograph of him? Because I don't know him. He, look, he even looks like his dad, look. Well, I know on the it. right, on the left there. Yeah, no, I don't, if he knocked on the door now, I wouldn't know who You it wouldn't was. even know him. See, I didn't see Skyfall. Really? Oh, he's in yeah. a lot of British TV shows as well. I don't. Why I'm, have you not seen Skyfall? I'm not a Bond fan. Really? Yeah. That's funny. I would have thought, I would have pegged you as like a... No. That's okay. Like, I mean, it's just, that's, yeah. that's odd. I never yeah. would have... I think there's cracks starting to show in our relationship, Brian. I'm just 
just, I'm surprised. I thought you would have. No, 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 but genuinely, I, I honestly thought you would have been big in the band. Let's dive into that next week. Yes, let's. Thanks for coming in, Bri. No worries. You've got five spare segments of chocolate orange left. You can, you can have them. You can have them. You can have them. We've been over this, Simon. I don't want them. You okay, can have them. Yeah, they're gack. Thanks, Bri. I do want to update just on a couple of shows we touched on last time that oh, I was yeah. in the middle of watching. Oh, yeah. The first being Roadkill with Hugh Laurie. Oh, yeah. It's only four yeah, episodes. Yeah. Save yourself. Don't bother. Ah, boom. It gets off to a great start. Oh, no. And the first two episodes are really good. Uh, episode three's oh, good. And then it just it lost its way completely. For me, anyway, oh, no. in episode four. So just, oh, in, no. if you hadn't started it yet... Maybe there's other things you could be doing with your life. Just on the side, someone did send me a tweet with a recommendation. I will find that while you're... Okay. And then the other one that uh, thankfully did not disappoint, and I knew it wouldn't because I'm so heavily invested in it. Season three of Das Boot is just brilliant. Das Boot is one of those series that gets better every season. I haven't done it yet. No, I recorded it. But know that when go. you're watching it. When you're watching season one oh, it gets better. and you're, you're enjoying it, go, season two is going to be better. Season three is even better. It's terrific. It's so, so good. And the great news is there's a season four to come. So I'm happy out. We just have to wait for it. I can't find the truth. Now, with that said, my recommendation is a show that's been mentioned once or twice on this podcast, but uh, we have yet to review it, I think. And that is 10%. Oh, yeah. Yes. I haven't watched it. It's now, okay, so okay. 10% yeah. is a remake of a French show called... Uh, Call My Agents. Which you have watched. Yes, okay. uh, Netflix, yeah, amazing. So people might be going, well, why have they remade it? And there's five seasons. In an English language version, right. yeah. Well, there's only one season of yeah. um, 10%, which is apparently in the acting business what your agent charges, which to me is very fucking cheap. It is, yeah. It's not 10%, <laughs> but anyway. Oh, never. So they've decided <clears throat> to reboot it with an all-English cast as opposed to it um, being French, with yeah. French actors and in French. So tell it's, us about the show, first of all. It's set in an okay, agency. Okay, so it's set in an acting agency called Nightingale Heart, okay. who are one of the top, top acting agencies in London. Okay. And when I first started watching it, one of the opening scenes is of the uh, exterior of their offices, the trendy offices in London. I was like... That looks very familiar. And then I realised I worked next door to the building at wow. Nickelodeon, the kids' channel, for a wow. number of years back in the early noughties. So that was just a nice there familiarity go, yeah. for me. So it stars Jack Davenport, who mm-hmm. is a like terribly funny English actor. A guy, the minute I saw him, I was like, I know you, but I couldn't place Pirates where I knew him from. Yes, Pirates yeah, of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Also, if you'd watched The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston, yes. he, had a, he had a recurring role in that. Yeah. Um, also stars... Um, what's her name? God, sorry. Uh, also stars wonderful actress Maggie Steed who's been on television and stage and indeed in movies in the UK for many many years yeah. so both um, their characters Jack Davenport's and Maggie's they are the the owners of the agency it being Nightingale they're on one partners side, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. partners yeah there is a another but he disappeared <clears throat> but, uh, fairly early doors for anyone who has seen Call My Agent a lot of this will be very familiar because a lot of the Characters and a lot of the storylines are very similar to the French show, not verbatim, but there's a lot of, I believe, a lot of similarities to it. So I think if you've not seen the French one, you may enjoy this more because it will be somewhat less predictable. But the fact that it's, the original's done four seasons mm, now, if not five, I mean, shows you how big the show was. And I would expect this this will come back because I think it was good enough and it has been successful enough as a streaming show that it certainly uh, will come back. It's... um. It's the trials and tribulations, for lack of a better uh, phrase, of the, the workings of a It's how of the agents have to agent. look after the, the nightmares that are the right actors because mm-hmm. they're causing all kinds of shit in various different ways, shapes and forms on sets. Some of them won't go to set. Some of them haven't roused a director. Some of them have to be convinced to play roles. It's also what I found fascinating about the French series, and I hope it comes through in the English version, is that it shows how the agents became the agents. There's, new, there's a new agent who comes in and she starts off as a, <clears throat> you know, an assistant She's and, there. It's, and it's her path to become an agent then. And she has her own connection to the agency Correct. that doesn't become clear. So it is a li- so it is a lift then from the French. Do you know what it is? Okay. I thought it it's a soap opera. Um yeah, it's a soap opera, yeah. So it's an yeah. ensemble cast. I did I've named two of them, but there's at least four or five others main characters in the agency. Absolutely. And so it's the day to day uh, and their relationships between the agents. Exactly. And, it's and there's also love affairs. And the fucking and agents stepping secrets. over each other for clients. And there's and agents backstabbing. Yeah. Maybe, in fact, if anything, this show is a little bit <clears> too <throat> nice as to how the world of show business, acting, television agents work. They're far more ruthless in real life than this, and I know that. Well, here's one for you off a spin-off of that. There's a great movie from the mid-90s called Swimming with Sharks. Right. Have you heard of that? Kevin it's Spacey. Kevin Spacey mm. and... 
Benicio well, Del Toro, I think, is in it as well. Okay. Benicio Del Toro, yeah, is in it. And the young Frank guy, Wally. he's unreal. And it's set in an agency in LA, and it's about, like, it describes the business, because I've often said that it is like swimming with sharks, this game. And it, it that's, it, it's dark. It is dark. But it's well, a brilliant movie. Yeah, this doesn't really explore the dark side. There's a bit of, you know, double crossing and a bit of sinister activities as agents are absolutely rivaling against each other for their clients. What what I've yet to mention, and this is one of the real strengths of the show, is in each episode you have a real actor appearing as themselves. Absolutely, yeah. That, and sending themselves up with all yeah, their which is brilliant. peccadilloes and insecurities as actors. So Helena Bonham Carter... Um, as a really good role in one of the episodes. David Harwood, uh, towards the end of yeah. the series, appears. Emmett J. Scanlon's there. Right? Emmett Scanlon has a yeah. brilliant, brilliant... And it's yeah. the first time I've seen Emmett Scanlon in a role where he's not trying to kill you. He's not a, he's not a psycho <laughs> going, what? I'll kill you, bud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he plays this quite uh, eccentric, flowery director in it. He's very good. Uh, David Harwood appears at the end and he's potentially touted as the, the next James Bond. Yeah. Uh, but he's got lost in a, a previous film where he was um, playing a taxi driver and in, he can't separate uh, very good, yeah, yeah. Fact and fiction, good. and he's now a taxi driver in real life, and that's very all he good, wants to yeah. do. They're convincing. <laughs> no, you could be Bond, and he's like, no, I want to drive a black cab, and I so on and so forth. It's 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 just a real fun show. It yeah. bounces along. There's there's a heartness, a heart to it, and it's there kind is, of sweet. Yeah, yeah. There's a nice couple of storylines in it. Like there you know, is, it's, nice. it's it's really that will keep you watching. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it ended, I was like, oh shit, there's no. I when's the next season? Be back. Yeah, be back. I'm really into it. There's some really, really so where's that available? So that's on Netflix at the moment. Okay, cool. It's a fun show. It suits the time of the year with the weather being a bit nicer. Yeah. Uh, t- it's called Ten Percent. Check it out. Uh, not sure how to put this, but I'm actually an agent. An agent? Yeah. What, like a, a secret agent? No, no, like a, an agent. Agent. Wait. Sorry, were you following me? No, 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 I was just behind a tree. Now, what I do want to ask you, Simon, and John, I want to play a little quiz with you, all right? Brief quiz. Because in the show, they're they're often visiting uh, movie sets. Yeah. And you have the first AD there, and and he's shouting out certain lingo and and movie-speaking terms. Mm. So I picked out some some phrases that are common on movie sets. Movie terminology. Movie, yeah, movie jargon, okay? And you have to, uh, you have to tell me what they are. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to, John, you guess first because Simon might know some of these, okay? So if you, okay. if you like that, so here we go, lads. Here go. The first one is 10 to 1. What does that mean on a set? 10 to 1. It's the ratio of pay for the director to the, uh, some of the staff. Ooh, Way geez, off the mark. Very political. Simon, when someone. 10 to 1. Where's, si- where's, where's, where's Simon? Where's yeah. Simon? I mean, you're going for He's a piss. 10 to 1. Yeah, or taking two, as they call it. Correct. The AD usually uses this term instead of saying the cast or crew member is in the, and I quote, honey wagon, a very sexy term for the jacks. Yeah, (laughs) so he's taking two or it's ten to one. Taking two, ten to one. Banana. Banana on a movie set. Um, I mean, that's so obvious. Uh, Snack time? (laughs) No, a banana, I think, is a mark that you stand on. It's also known as a sausage. Close but not correct. No. When walking through a scene, you'll do a slight curve rather than a straight path. Oh, banana, like a banana. Okay, yeah. Okay. You can do a right banana, or you can do a left banana. Yeah. And it helps the camera department get the shot they need rather than resetting. There's also another term for uh, what would be a shorter banana, i.e., a shorter curved walk, and that is a cashew. I've never heard that before in my life on a set. No. Not on your sets that they no. sh- they shout these. Okay, last one. This is my actually no two more. Yeah. Uh, second last one, the martini. Oh yeah, that is a. Well, they I call martini on the a set. reference for an actor who has maybe a Showed drinking up. problem. <laughs> they say they say this setup is the martini setup. Okay, I mean it's the last setup of the day. Yes, yeah. the last shot so of the day, martini. meaning <laughs> the last shot in the glass, and the glass being the the, the martini. The lens. It's a very elegant terms, I must say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've saved the most. Oh, el- Christ, I've saved the most okay, elegant yeah. for last. What is on a movie set a four banger? A, a four-banger. Four-banger. Four banger. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> four keep banger. it clean. An ensemble cast, maybe? or A four-banger. I don't know. No? No, no, no idea? No, I just rang a bell. Where's Simon? He's in his four-banger. A four-banger is a large trailer. Oh, it's a trailer. With okay. four dressing rooms. There's also a double and triple banger. <laughs> <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. You might as well yeah, go yeah. for the four-banger. Yeah. There you go. I've seen some very elaborate trailers on my day, on my days on the set. I've never been in them myself now, but it's normally the, 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 whoever the star is would have the trailer, you know. There'll be proper trailers now. So we talking like better than 
your gaff and my gaff and John's gaff? Oh, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Like some, I've seen some interesting riders as well in terms of, uh, you know, they would need to have, they need to have access to satellite TV and, you know, because most of these, like the proper movie stars would have assistance. So yeah, it can't yeah. just be a room where we'd be in the, you know, what they call the coffin ships, um, which is where the actors just get thrown in and some of them wouldn't have a jacks. Then you might go to the next level where you'd have a, a table and a chair. And a toilet, which is great. You're spending the majority of your day in there as opposed to on set. But the, the proper trailers, it's different gravy. I can only imagine. Oh. So what stage of your acting career would you get, like, the equivalent of the caravan we'd rent in, in court? Well, it depends on the budget of the movie. Okay. Like, you know, you could be the number cast number one on the cast list, but there could be a low-budget movie, so you're going to be changed on the back of a car. You know, it depends on the budget of the movie. Like, uh, on the big-budget stuff now in the States. Where's the best one you had? Where you uh, went, Jesus, I've arrived. Uh, probably, probably in the States, yeah, probably, you know. But then again, a studio movie, you're not in trailers, you're in dressing rooms because you're on a set. Oh, okay, you're you on know, the lot. Yeah, 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 like yeah. when we did The Conjuring, that was shot on the same set that they did Red Bull, like Red Bull Without a Cause, like Warner Brothers proper, you know, yeah. studio setup. Amazing. And then you might go over to the, commission, the commissary for lunch or whatever. So it's if you're on location. On location, then you're in the caravans. The Winnebago's. Yeah, the Winnebago's, yeah. Proper Winnebago's. And you'll notice it's always... It's always Do they sleep in them? And like, I know like they might have a nap during the day, but oh, yeah. at night, would you no, sleep? No, 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 you're gone. Yeah, you're home to your hotel or whatever. But yeah. it's also interesting noticing the dynamic if there's more than one star in the movie as to who's got the bigger trailer. It's all about that, isn't it? <laughs> oh, all about yeah. who's got the bigger trailer. Oh, I've been part of those and conversations then is there, um, set. Like a, an order of things, like who's as closest to the set? Because I yeah, know there in, be in, that, in that Formula is... One, the way they're lined up in the pit yeah, yeah. is based on their standing. Be. So like... Remember George Russell last year before he went to Mercedes, he was at Williams, who were the, like the, the yeah. fiercest team, quite frankly. So when you're walking back to the pit lane, you had the longest walk because you had to walk yeah. by all the other teams. But that comes, that, and that's necessary because you're going to be needed on set the most time. You might have a quick turnaround where you might need to change costumes, so you need to be closest to the set. And that, that's relatable in theatre as well. Like dressing room number one in the theatre will obviously be the one that's closest to the stage, and that would be for the star. You know, uh, and also because you might need a couple of quick costume changes, you can't be running up flights of stairs and back down. So they put you in the dressing room closest. But yeah, the positioning of the trailer on the set uh, does come into play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gas when you arrive on set, you know, and you get the car door opens and you're greeted by the second or third AD. I'll just show you to your trailer, and if you're still walking five minutes <laughs> later, you know, and Jesus wept. <laughs> like they could have dropped me off back down there. But you brought me up to the unit base and we're walking all the way past the trailers down to this little rabbit hutch say that where you're your, going to spend your day. And does your confidence a world of good before you have to But go I remember the scene. first time I was on a film set, I had no idea of all that terminology and just how a set worked like, mm. in terms of the protocol. Like I remember arriving in a Mercedes onto the set and, and being and being or the unit base and being greeted by an AD. And I'll just show you your, your, uh, your accommodation. And I'm putting into this it's what they call a four-way trailer. So there's, it's one long trailer, but there's four dressing rooms in it. That's a four-banger, isn't it? No, a four-banger has four rooms in it. Okay. Yeah, this is very different. <laughs> so I went into it and I thought, well, what do I do now? Like, am I waiting for someone to come and get me? Do I do So I just, I didn't know what to do. I closed the door and just sat there for fucking hours. Not knowing what to do. And eventually, they're ready for you now in hair and makeup. All oh, right, okay. So you go over to hair and makeup. And then I didn't know what to do when I was finished hair and makeup. Do you, you go back to your trailer. All right, okay. And then costume's ready. So the costume dropped in. You put your costume. Just little things of like when you arrive. You I know always now, have to wait for someone. I know to now get when I get into a set, I always go you. in. I get into my costume first. Just be ready. Okay. Because then, because the, you'll notice then on a call sheet, which is the order of what way the day is going to go, they'll have you, Aiden, arriving at uh, seven forty-five in the helicopter. You'd be in makeup at eight fifteen. You'd be in hair at eight twenty-five. You want you're needed on set down for nine o'clock. Mm. So that's how they work back to call times. But like, if you don't know the world and how it works, it's utterly confusing. Plus, you don't know who in the name of Jesus is doing what job. There's so many people walking around on set. But then you start over the years getting to recognise. Oh, well, they're clearly the art department. They're clearly the grips. They're clearly hair, makeup, and costume. Who's the most important person on a set? Is it the first AD? In terms of running the set? Yeah. Well, the first AD, you see, will run the, will run the shoot. So the first AD traditionally would be the person who calls turnover and cut. The director would call cut maybe sometimes. But the first AD is the person who will work out the set. He, if we were shooting a scene in here today now, he would be in here with us, with the camera, and they would call action. Mm. They'd make sure the lighting guys have what they need. They'll call costume adherence to their final checks. They kind of crack the whip on everything. Yeah, the yeah. second AD would be traditionally based back at the set. 
the second AD then is responsible for the running of the unit base. So that's the actors arriving, they're making sure the facilities are all there, plus the second AD is responsible for doing the following day's call sheet. So the bulk of their day will be prepping tomorrow. So they'll do the call sheet. The last thing a second AD will do in the day is they'll go, they will travel to set and get the first AD to sign off on the call sheet for tomorrow. Because what would normally happen is they get down to the set and they'll go, there's the call sheet, the first day, look and go, no, I'll need Aiden here half an hour earlier, move those two scenes, mm. and then that changes everything she or he has yeah, to do. Yeah. And I guess the, the, the bigger the set, the bigger the, exactly. the military operation exactly. at all And then is. you'll have a third AD who, there'll be a third AD and then assistant AD, so the third AD would be assisting the first on the set, and then the other ADs would either run unit base or run between unit base and the set. It's just like it's... It's a phenomenal operation. There's so many people walking around with walkie-talkies and, and earpieces pieces, in, yeah. and you don't know what the hell they're doing. Because the camera guys, the grip teams, like the camera guys, the LX guys, they'll all have earpieces in because they're the director of photography will be on set and he's setting up a scene and here he'll say I need a 5k or 2k light out there that gets read out to the lighting team they have to read that it's, it's a phenomenal operation but as I say as an actor dropping into it you're going what the fuck is this yeah yeah not a clue how to do what to do where to, how to behave who, who am I listening to here yeah, what, yeah. what's the voice yeah. but you very quickly learn that a first AD will be the person who's, who's on it yeah they're your go to if you, if you don't know where you're meant but to be you what now. you're doing that was interesting I want you off the fucking set, you prick! Sorry. No, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. The, the fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? When I try and be sincere, I've often been accused of this in the past. I'm usually told that I seem very insincere. No, 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 no. That's not very sincere. <laughs> no, I'm genuinely interested. I'd yeah. have to come to a movie set with you someday. I'll bring you on the next one. I'll bring you on a day out. We'll do a podcast live from the set. Well, when you say you'll bring me on the next one, like, that sounds exciting, but I don't want, like, getting shit. You could be bored out of your tree. But no, no, I'll make sure it's an interesting project for you to come down to. And you can taste the craft services. <laughs> yes! Yeah. So right. let's just go back on what we rec- uh, recommended this week. You recommended The Brilliant Flight Attendant. That is one of our recommendations this week with the brilliant uh, Kaylee Cuoco back for season two, available uh, uh, streaming on now and indeed on Sky Max. If you've seen season one, you'll know what you're in store for. I believe it's even bigger and wilder and madder for season two. I'm really looking forward to getting into it. And if you've not watched the series, go catch up on season one. You genuinely won't be disappointed. Fantastic. That was one 10%. Again, another very enjoyable show, a little window into the world of actors and the acting agency world. So it's a remake of the French series Call Me Agent, available on Netflix. Yes. Which you and then I had for your delicatation uh, Falling for Stradivari Janine Jansen Falling for Stradivari The journey of uh, one of the finest virtuosos violin virtuosos in the world and her journey of trying to record an album using 12 different Stradivari's violins Great documentary available on Sky Arts Fantastic What did you learn this week Ado? I learned that a four banger is better than a three banger But if you're in a four banger you've made a baby See ya